there's an important need for food to be produced in a sustainable way across the world. And technology plays a role in achieving this goal. In this episode of Talking Ag Tech today, I speak to Justin Webb, co-founder of AgriWeb. And you'll hear about their digital tools that can empower producers to make data-driven decisions that can lead to tangible benefits for livestock and other farming. You'll hear about the need for farmers to go beyond just meeting requirements and incentivize sustainable practices in food production. And you'll learn about the challenges of succession planning and attracting new generations to join the agriculture industry. Let's jump into it. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team AgTech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking AgTech, a podcast to learn more about technology in agriculture. Come explore this important sector with me, Peter Birch, as I speak to those that are in the thick of it to help break down the silos and drive more innovation into this important sector, one conversation at a time. Just to introduce yourself a bit more, tell us who you are and what you do. So Pete and to everyone that's listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you do catch all of these podcasts, but I'm Justin Webb. I'm a co-founder and the chairman of AgriWeb. AgriWeb is a farm management software that is used by farmers and ranchers all around the world to help produce beef more efficiently, sustainably, and productively. In fact, we've got a proliferation across Australia that just over a quarter of all the commercial livestock, so sheep and cattle in Australia, is raised on AgriWeb. What does that mean? It means we're Software is a service that empowers farmers to put down the notebook, put down the pencil and paper and pick up an app and record literally everything that goes into running their farm operation and then have feedback that helps them make data-driven decisions to improve their productivity, improve their livelihood, and hopefully improve the sustainability of the land that they're farming on. Love it. And so tell us a bit more about like where that kind of need came from. Was it something you just thought, hey paper's inefficient, so farmers should use an app? No, I come from a bit of a data geek background. I was one of those hated people that worked in finance. And actually, I went back to our family farm that was in Western Victoria, and I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I was struggling to make too much of a contribution until I recognized when I was never afraid to ask a stupid question and proving that point to absurdity. And a lot of the feedback that was coming to me by really well-educated leaders in the space was based on anecdote. It was qualitative. It was what happened next door. It was, Mm. okay, cool. If we spend money on improving these pastures or putting out these fences or improving the genetics of these animals, like what are we expected to see by improvement in terms of bottom line on the farm or the yield from the growth of the pastures. And, and no one really could tell me. Um, they're like, literally, at one point, someone, sort of a, an old bastion leader of the industry reached across and ruffled my hair and was like, oh, Webby, farming doesn't work that way. Mm. And so I was like, all right, this is ridiculous. And I think it was a case of technology hadn't really been thought carefully about application in this space. It's very fragmented. It's seen as being not that sexy. It's archaic. And you know, I joke earlier about Tinder for Cows, but we're talking the least digitized of the least digitized industries, despite the fact that it's so fundamental. Like, this is where our food comes from. Shouldn't we know more about it? Shouldn't we be empowering those that create it with technologies to do it more efficiently, more productively, more sustainably? It just didn't exist. At best, it was kind of a CD-ROM on a dusty desktop in the corner or an Excel spreadsheet. And so in a world that now lives on smartphones, why not take some of the best-in-class 
mapping and drag and drop and mm. intuitive UX and UI and start to apply that. Not just to record records, but to start empowering really cool insights to make decisions about, well, if I run my animals this way, if I can lower my antibiotic usage, if I can look after the animals in a healthier way, they will also grow more efficiently. And now the sort of ubiquitous approach of how do we make food production more sustainable only through digitization of production on farm can we start to understand that actually the regrowth of grass can sequester tons of carbon literally per acre per year from the atmosphere this could be one of the great shifts from one of our great scourges of David Attenborough telling us the cows are bad into mm. one of the great solutions. And I think that's truly awesome. So yeah, put down the suit and pick up some Warren Williams. And 10 years later, I find myself in this space. Yeah. No, look, that's fascinating. And, and, you know, I can relate to, from my experience in health, a lot of adjacencies there in terms of such an important industry in agriculture. And it's not going to be, we can't continue doing it the way we're doing it to be able to service the population of the world, as you say, it impacts everyone. You mentioned sustainability and and it's a term that gets dropped everywhere. And I feel like sometimes, you know, you can never go wrong saying bringing up sustainability and how things need to be more sustainable and everyone nods knowingly and says that's great. <laughs> However, already with my early experience in agriculture, I feel like that can be a bit vague or it can be very broad or down to interpretation. What's your kind of take when we start to unpack this point around this need to be more sustainable and the role that kind of data plays there? Yeah, I mean, it term it really well. I think let's start from the macro perspective. We've got to feed 10 billion people by 2050. That's roughly 56 to 58% more food than we produce today. And we can't do it with more land because 50% of the world's surface, non-ocean surface, is already used for agriculture. And we don't want to be clearing any forests because that's pretty bad. Mm. And we also need to do it by lowering emissions. To be more precise about it, like we need to lower emissions by two-thirds, 67%. And this is a productivity problem. How, in terms of sustainability, it's not just about emissions. It's about how can we increase biodiversity? How can we implement these practices? And I would actually say when terming, when framing this question, you were talking about, oh, there's vague and there's nods towards it. I would actually say that it's downright frightening in certain senses, right? You've got mm. in Europe, farmers are having their land repossessed. In New Zealand, they sort of blanket measures of animal taxes and shutting down of exports because of this. And these are draconian measures with a sledgehammer rather than using more precise tools, which we have to hand. And that is what technology is for. It's for empowering solutions that can be scaled globally, but have an accuracy, have a very fine accuracy in application. So let me put some precision around this, right? Like the multinationals like McDonald's and Sainsbury's and Costco and Woolworths, the food companies that make up two and a half trillion dollars of market cap in Fortune 500 now need to collect and give evidence of actual farm level data for their net zero reporting. This isn't a nod of happy, fuzzy land. This is a regulatory requirement that is being rolled out by the Securities and Exchange Commission, or the SEC, which is like the asset of the United States. And so what that demands is on-farm data reporting. It's self-serving for us, I suppose, because AgriWeb is unique, that there's literally no other group that's positioned to provide farm data 
for grazing operations at the scale that we are. But the point isn't just to deliver farm level data to baseline. You also want to reduce emissions. And in fact, we've got to reduce these emissions by 30% by 2030 and then a further 30% by 2050. So how do we do this to increase soil carbon management practices and decision support tools that ultimately drive farmers to be going, all right, how do I rotate my animals such that the pastures regenerate and capture as much as, or as close as to as much carbon as emitted by the animal. And in some cases, even more carbon that's emitted by the animal to create a carbon sink. And this is super exciting, right? Because on collaboration with a whole bunch of different groups that feed supplements like asparagopsis, which is a type of seaweed that could be fed to cattle that actually blocks the production of methane in the ruminant. So you can have literally no emission from or 95% reduction in emission from the animal. You know, these step-by-step practices culminate in the reduction of one of the largest global emissions. And if, if you implement this across the Australian bovine or the cattle population, that's equivalent of removing every car off the road from an emissions perspective. So the scalability of this is massive and the potential for commercial viability and reward to those primary producers, those farmers that are following these practices is enormous. And again, like for us, we are so excited to be this platform that can go, okay, not only can you use technology to increase the productivity of your farm, you can also use it to implement practices that will give evidence of sustainability and ultimately greenhouse gas reduction that benefits far beyond the food industry into actually achieving a net zero goals by 2030 and 2050. Mm. You speak so passionately and clearly about this big problem at a global scale that can be addressed in the ways that you've outlined. And I forgot that we started talking about farmers using a notepad and a pen and going to an app. So Bridging that gap, like you said, it's the enabling those on farm or those that are doing the day-to-day to be able to demonstrate how what they're doing is having an impact at the micro level, which can then feed up to a macro. So does this go beyond just the need? Because from what I understand, a lot of the challenges for a someone who owns a farm is when it comes to data and reporting is more of that because it's just a requirement that they have to do in order to, whether it's from a funding point of view or whether it's just to be able to keep the farm operating. There's so much data and stuff that you've got to report back up to different kind of areas because that's just what you've got to do. But is there more to it than just the ticking the box? There's things that a farm owner could do with the data that's being captured that contributes. So it's something more tangible. It's things that they can do on a day-to-day in their farm rather than like this holistic goal that someone up in the stratosphere is hopefully pointing us in the right direction when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions and sustainability. Is that kind of making sense? Yeah, I think you're you're articulating it, which is how do you bridge this? Mm. There is a clear driver that's coming in three different angles. Let's call it, as you describe it, at the top of the stratosphere, right? You've got government pressure on having to achieve net zero and lots of photographs and leaders standing on stage. Sweet, good for them. Then you've got consumer pressures being like, hang on, what is my personal footprint? And a big part of that is what is my food consumption? How is that having an impact? And people are making dietary decisions. The rise of flexitarian is big. Actually, interestingly, there is still an increase in net consumption of beef and protein. But what's happening is people are obviously increasing their flexitarian, right? They're being omnivores, which is sort of odd because this feels like we're going back to the future. 
Point being that there is consumer pressure that's demanding mm. provenance of and accountability of your food production. And then the last is the investor pressure. There's a, actually a new study that came out from More Global. It's like a leading global accountancy consultancy. Yeah. And they looked at about 1,500 companies, the largest companies in the world, across eight major economies. And they found that companies that are adopting and broadcasting ESG practices have their profits are increasing three times faster than those who have not. 83% of the companies that have invested in ESG have improved their customer retention and 84% that have that report on their ESG practices have improved their ability to attract investment. Now, that's at the very biggest scale. So concurrently, you've got PwC and Credit Suisse that did a combined report who came out and said that by 2030, more than $30 trillion of global investment is going to be dictated by ESG practices. So mm. here's this triumvirate. You've got trident, should we say, to the sharp points. You've got consumer pressure, you've got government pressure, and you've got investment pressure. And that's what's happening at the stratosphere. But how to connect that back to, as you say, the farmer in the field is this tricky notion because we're getting a lot of conflicting messaging. Oh, don't worry. Like use ag tech to measure and therefore you can convert it into a carbon credit and sell it and it'll be awesome. We don't sell it because it might go up in the future and you don't want to be restricted from doing certain practices. There is a lot to evolve in this space of carbon credits and carbon measurement, carbon management. But I think the true reality is, and the commonality in this thread is by digitizing your information, by actually having demonstrable transferable records through digital tools, that empowers you to do whatever the market might demand or offer you in a beneficial way. If carbon credits are the channel you want to run down, great. Then you can demonstrate the history of your practices and your baselining and your improvement therein. If instead you want to be looking at insetting and getting paid more for your production, which is what we're seeing, for example, Sainsbury's and Morrison's in the UK and Walmart in the US through AgriEd are paying a premium to producers who are recording information on AgriEd that then they can give to these retailers who in turn tell consumers about the provenance of their production, right? They're getting paid a premium for their product. And none of this can happen if you're not actually embracing the digital records the iteration that will follow almost immediately after is great. That's your baseline. How are you improving your practices? How are you capturing more carbon or emitting less into the atmosphere? Mm. And I think, again, this is driven a lot through the ag tech facilitation and the practices that are being offered to producers to say, all right, record your baseline, empower yourself to take advantage of whatever opportunities may exist, but also be ahead of the game to say, look, I am one of these leading producers that is reducing my footprint. Therefore, you're going to be the first groups that like McDonald's comes to when they need to be able to demonstrate, as I just ran through in that ESG summary, they need mm. to be able to demonstrate to their investors that they are reducing their carbon footprint. Yeah. It's good to hear of those kind of real world examples of not just this is potentially what might happen, but with those examples that you mentioned at a grander scale, that the increased customer satisfaction and investment through implementing some of these measures. From a, you know, from an agri-web perspective, specifically coming down, um, I always struggle personally with even seeing some of these examples from reports that suggest that at a high level, this is the kind of stuff happening. 
I sometimes feel like it can be with anything. It's still, I kind of need to trust the process because hopefully then if I implement some of these things, then sentiment will change or something will happen, which will then result in a better outcome for me. And so from a are there examples that you can talk about or, or I guess outcomes from people using AgriWeb that have seen some of these examples firsthand or any kind of good stories that you can share in that side? I think the tremendously rewarding bit about it has been over the past decade and we now have more than 16,000 farms that are across 20 million um, head of livestock that are using AgriWeb and it's about 150 million acres. So it's with that sort of scale, there are some the heartwarming kind of amazing, rewarding narratives and stories that come back. But I do come back to, rather than picking the fuzzy stories, the quantitative improvement for farms that are using our tool or tools like ours, our users self-surveyed so that they're seeing a seven and a half to 8% increase year on year in output. That's dollars in the back pocket. That has nothing to do with, you know, I'm not talking about sustainability or carbon credits or anything else. This is simply by recording their information digitally and having data-driven decisions influence their practices. That's increasing money in their back pocket. And that turns into the ability for family-held farms to go from loss-making to profit-making, to be able to engage next generation for succession, to be able to pass the farms on and to really excite a world of people that maybe didn't work in the industry. I mean, I look as I'm sitting in our office here in Sydney, we've got a team of just shy of 80 people globally and, and about half of that sits here in Sydney. And as I look out, the vast majority of product and engineering and customer success and sales, and most of these people didn't grow up in rural backgrounds. Some of them have, and they're amazingly powerful and they bring their roots and their connections, but a lot of them have just really been bitten by this exciting bug to say, I want to have a career that influences positively the sustainable production of food. Like, How are we going to feed the world? Not how am I going to create the next widget to send an inappropriate photo to each other? <laughs> how am I going to feed the world? And how am I going to do that sustainably? And, and that's awesome. So to come back to your question, there are stories not just of an increase in productivity and profitability on farm that empower genuine benefits for the users. But there's also this evolution in the industry of much like other services that have become, it becomes a sector in and of itself. And yeah. I think that's much, much more sustainable when you see, say, drawbacks in tech and the tech backlash of investment in the United States and et cetera, and shrinking of those companies. I don't see it in, in agriculture. I think that we are genuinely seeing this evolution of industries that are more robust to economic downturns and they're attractive for people that want to work and have a meaningful career. And to that point, you mentioned about succession planning as well. I, I, I'm going to hazard a guess and say that would be on the mind of a lot of farm owners around Australia, given it's already a challenging environment to run their livelihood, the, the farm, the business. And you know, through generations, often these have been handed down. And if you're entering into a situation now as the world's becoming more global, tech-focused, and sons, daughters, and family coming through are probably less likely to be potentially interested if the situation continues to get worse to get, to keep the thing going or even kind of have that progression through. It's not a stop-start type thing. As you suggested too, there's potential here for those that wouldn't have otherwise seen themselves as a great fit for being on the farm doing things on a day-to-day -to, -day to really have a meaningful impact in how 
the thing runs by you know taking some of these insights from data, putting it in a consumable way to then take actionable insights to, to do stuff that has a meaningful impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I suppose I'm making reference a lot to this sort of data-driven decisions. And without getting, pun intended, too grassroots about it, um, what do I mean? And maybe if I take an analogy that's not in ag, in healthcare, all right, with where a lot of your roots and this podcast drew its origins, mm-hmm. I very much watched and adopted, shamelessly plagiarized and pilfered a lot of the successful implementations of health tech. To look at it, think of it this way, right? If the individual GP is very similar to an individual farm, and then instead you fall ill and you go direct to the emergency room or you have to go to the hospital, you've got to start before health tech connectivity, like you had to go right back to the beginning and start with all of the first origin questions to understand and start the diagnosis process from mm. the ground up. Whereas if you have that provenance of information that can be drawn upon from a digital record from the GP, it immediately accelerates your diagnosis and therefore treatment and cure. It is a similar paradigm when thinking of data-driven decision-making in agriculture. That's true across arable as well as livestock, but if I particularly focus on livestock, because that's what agro does, we're considering, okay, what is the optimum weight, age, and point through life where the animals are ready for processing? And therefore, not having animals on farm for any longer than that is also a huge impact on sustainability, right? Getting the right feed conversion efficiency, improving the genetics of animals so that they can, not just for quality, but provenance and quality of life through their life cycle. It culminates in all sorts of improvements through the industry, whereby the farmer who was doing this based off of kind of experience and what her father taught her when she was growing up. And now she's standing next to the shoot or the crush and making decisions about, oh, what do I do in terms of how I feed or move or treat this animal? Right now, all of a sudden, she has this digital helper that can help the equivalent of diagnosis and treatment in this space that means that this animal is going to reach its target weight within the right time. And therefore, you know, not only am I going to be paid more, but also this animal is going to be treated better and have a better quality of life. And I think all of those things are really exciting as we embark on this era of technology and agriculture. Totally agree with you. Thinking then, rounding out the conversation, Justin, looking at your to-do list and you've got the team of 80 across the world and it sounds like there's continued growth. What's on the horizon? What's your focus over the next 6, 12, 24 months? What can we look forward to seeing? Yeah, it's a tyranny of choice, I guess. We've just recently launched into Brazil in an exclusive distribution with Cargill. So Cargill's the biggest agribusiness in the world and we're launching into the biggest beef market in the world with Brazil and actually with a keen focus on sustainable objectives. For example, monitoring and tracking that beef is in a non-forest cleared or non-Amazon cleared space so that we can certify that and incentivize those farmers that are staying away from rainforest clearing production. That's pretty cool. And I think what sits on our roadmap is more of these collaborations with big brands to help to almost leapfrog the processing intermediary and connect the retailer right the way back to the producer. Another example is working with Fulton Market Group, which really is the main supplier to McDonald's for sustainability measurement, for their understanding practices on farm for both baselining and improving the emissions that come from the animals. 
and incentivizing that, like getting these farmers paid more for increasing their practices, like insetting the emissions that happen through the supply chain. So we're doing that with Morrison's, we're doing that with Sainsbury's, I've mentioned Walmart, McDonald's, there's huge brands and an enormous opportunity. And that's going to be our driver for the next six, 12 and 18 months is expanding internationally and engaging more deeply with the leading brands in our space. Yeah. Justin, love it. Look, I'm going to put the details for AgriWeb in the show notes of this episode for people to check out and look forward to watching that journey ahead. And no doubt there'll be opportunities for us to connect again on the show soon to continue that conversation and see the progression as we travel through. So I really appreciate you making the time right now. Thanks so much. Pete, thanks so much for having me and thanks everyone for listening. Hope you all have a great day. Thanks for listening to Talking Ag Tech. For more content and community about technology and agriculture, visit talkingagtech.com.